0: Chapter 3 of Stories by Foreign Authors, Spanish Authors. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Simona Russo. Stories by Foreign Authors, Spanish Authors. The White Butterfly by Jose Selgas. Translated by Mary J. Serrano. Part 2 It is true that during these three months of absence a letter had been received from New York, in which Adrian Baker said to Berta, All this is said in such cases. It was a simple, tender and earnest letter that did not seem to have been written three thousand miles away, on the other side of the great ocean in which the most ardent and the most profound passions are wrecked it is true that this letter was answered by return of mail and that it traversed the stormy solitudes of the sea full of promises and hopes it is also true that berta put away adrian baker's letter carefully treasuring it as one treasures a relic it is true that she passed whole hours seated at her piano running her fingers up and down the keys playing adrian baker's favourite airs which he himself had taught her but except this berta lived like other girls she had an excellent appetite and she slept a tranquil sleep of a happy heart she spent the usual time at her toilet table and she took pleasure in making herself beautiful some of the asperities of her character had become softened she spoke with all her natural vivacity and finally she never mentioned adrian baker's name her father and her nurse observed all this and deduced as a consequence that the traveller had left no trace in bertha's heart only one fear troubled them the fear that he would return in this way another month passed and the memory of adrian baker began to wear away if his name was sometimes mentioned it was as one evokes the memory of a dream the dream however at times assumed the aspect of an impending reality he might return and beyond a doubt he had not intended to remain away forever. his last farewell had not been an eternal one if he himself was on the other side of the ocean three thousand miles away that is in new york at the other end of the earth more in the other world his house was there opposite them open kept by his servants with the same luxury and the same pomp as before he had gone away his house that seemed like an enchanted palace waiting for its owner and the order and care with which everything was conducted in it indicated that the servants did not wish to be surprised by the sudden appearance of their master that is to say that adrian baker might return at any moment the plants on the terrace spread their branches as full of life as if they were tended by the hands of adrian baker himself bertha's father and the housekeeper saw in this house a constant menace it came to be for them the shadow so to say of adrian baker but for all that time passed and the traveller did not return spring came and nature bloomed again with all the riches of vegetation which she displays in southern climes and it is in the heart of the south that the scene of our story is laid everything put on its fairest and most smiling aspect and the soul felt the vague happiness of a hope that is about to be realized berta shared in this beautiful awakening of nature and it might be said that her every beauty had acquired a new charm her eyes seemed larger her glance gentler calmer more profound her cheeks fresher softer and rosier and her smile more tender innocent and enchanting her figure had acquired a majestic ease which gave to her movements voluptuousness and firmness it seemed as if youth had made a supreme effort and in giving the last touch to her beauty had obtained a masterpiece she was in the full splendor of her loveliness in exchange adrian baker's palace one morning appeared as gloomy as a sepulchre the drawn blinds and the closed hall door gave it the aspect of a deserted house profound silence reigned within it and yet the palace of adrian baker was still inhabited in the hall the figure of the porter appeared like a shade he was dressed entirely in black and all the other servants of the house were also clad in mourning and in their faces were to be observed signs of sadness what had happened what had happened was simply that adrian baker had died in new york of an acute attack of pneumonia the news had spread through the city with the rapidity with which bad news spreads and it had also penetrated into berta's house at first it seemed incredible that adrian baker should have died as if the life of this man were not subject to the contingencies to which the lives of other mortals are subject but the tidings had been confirmed and they must be believed. Besides, the aspect of the palace bore testimony to the authenticity of the news. In that house hung with black the very stones seemed to mourn. The news had come in a black bordered letter dated in New York, and signed by the head of the house of Wilson and Company, with which Adrian Baker had large sums deposited. Bertha's father and the housekeeper looked at each other with amazement and repeated, one after the other, he is dead he is dead Bertha, pale as death itself surprised them as they uttered these words and in a sepulchral voice she said yes he has died in new york but he lives in my heart and turning from them she fled to her room and seated herself at the window from which she could see the terrace of the palace the flowers agitated gently by the breezes of spring leaned towards bertha as if sending her a melancholy greeting she gazed at them without a tear in her eyes the extreme pallor of her face and the slight trembling of her lips alone revealed the grief that afflicted her soul suddenly the flight of a white butterfly circling the air attracted her gaze she followed it absently with her eyes and the butterfly as if drawn by bertha's gaze tracing capricious circles left the terrace flew swiftly to bertha's window and entered the room with an involuntary movement bertha extended her hands to catch it but the butterfly darted between them and circled swiftly and silently about her head forming around her brow a sort of aureole which appeared and disappeared like a succession of lightning flashes the wings of the butterfly glowed above bertha's head with a light like the first splendours of the dawn then it passed before her eyes she saw it hovering over the flowers on the terrace and then it disappeared from her gaze as if it had vanished into air her eyes sought it with indescribable eagerness but in vain she saw it no more she clasped her hands and two large tears rose to her eyes and rolled down her cheeks on the following day the housekeeper entering bertha's room saw a shadow outlined against the wall above the head of her bed this shadow as the nurse looked took the form of a human head it was the head of adrian baker the same head with its pale forehead its compelling glance and its smile at once sweet sad and mocking the housekeeper out of her wits with terror crossed herself as she had seen a diabolical vision and hurried out of the room adrian baker's death has wrought terrible ravages in berta she does not distress those around her by ceaseless sighs and tears she does not continually proclaim in words the depth of her sorrow on the contrary she hides her grief in her own breast devours her tears in secret chokes back her sighs. And utters no unavailing complaints. Adrian Baker's name is never heard from her lips. It might be thought that she had consoled herself easily if in her eyes there did not lie the shadow of a deep grief, if the pallor of her cheeks did not cover her youthful beauty like a funeral pall, if her hollow voice did not reveal the profound loneliness of her heart. At times she smiles at her father but in her smiles there is an inexpressible bitterness she can be seen fading away like the flame of an expiring lamp like a miser she hides her grief in the bottom of her heart as if she feared that it might be taken from her her father and her nurse see her growing thin they see her fading away they see her dying without being able to stop the ravages of the persistent voiceless inconsolable grief that is slowly sapping her youth and her life and they curse the name of adrian baker and they would at the same time give their lives to bring him back to life but death does not give up its prey and only one hope remains to them the last hope time but time passes and the memory of adrian baker like a slow poison is gradually consuming bertha's life everything has been done she has been surrounded with all the delights of the world the most eligible suitors have sued for her favour youth beauty and wealth have disputed her affection with one another but her grief has remained inaccessible she has been subjected to every proof but it has not been possible to tear from her soul the demon image of adrian baker medical skill has been appealed to and science has exhausted its resources in vain for bertha's malady is incurable the nurse firmly believes that adrian baker has bewitched her he has diffused through her blood a diabolical philtre strong love will survive absence but no love will survive death bertha consequently was bewitched her father has only one thought expressed in these words he has gone away and he is taking her with him after all he is taking her with him but there is still one other resource to be appealed to solitude the fields nature who can tell the sky the sun the air of the country may revive her the poetry of nature may awaken in her heart new feelings and new hopes the murmur of the waters the song of the birds the shade of the trees why not there is no human sorrow however great it may be that does not sink into insignificance before the grandeur of the heavens at a little distance from the city berta's father has a small villa whose white walls and red roof can be seen through the trees which surround it there could not be a more picturesque situation to the right the mountain to the left the plain in front the sea stretching far in the distance until it blends with the horizon and that nothing may be wanting to complete the picture the ruins of an ancient monastery seated on the slope of the mountain can be seen from the villa berta offered no resistance for it was a matter of indifference to her whether she lived in the city or in the country the only thing she showed any desire about was that the piano should be taken with them as if she regarded it as a dear friend and her only confidant and the family removed to the villa and established themselves in it berta herself arranged the room which she was to occupy in the villa this opened on the garden and served her both as bedroom and dressing-room above her bed she hung a beautiful life-size photograph of a head it was that of adrian baker with his pale smooth brow his large blue eyes and his beautiful golden curls the head of adrian baker admirably photographed and which she herself had shaded for the piano no place could be found to please Berta. there was only one common room in the villa the parlor which at times also served as a dining-room she was hesitating between the parlour and her bedroom, when the idea occurred to her to put it in a small pavilion covered with vines and honeysuckles, which stood in a corner of the garden and which was used as a hot house. The idea seemed to be a happy one, and she smiled as it occurred to her, and the piano was placed in the pavilion like a bird in its cage. The journey must have fatigued Berta, for she retired early to her room, where the nurse left her in bed. Did she sleep? We cannot say, but at dawn the songs of the birds that made their nests in the garden caused her to rise. She opened the window shutters, and a flock of birds flew away frightened, to hide themselves in the tops of the trees, gilded by the first rays of the sun. Before long, however, the boldest of them returned to hop before her window, looking at Berta with a certain audacious familiarity, as if they recognized in her an old friend. A few grains of wet and a few crumbs of bread scattered on the window sill gradually attracted the more timid, who grew at last to be familiar. The slightest movement, indeed, caused them to take flight precipitately, but they soon recovered their lost confidence and they returned again to hop gaily on the iron railing of the window berta watched them and as she watched them she smiled and at the end of a few days she had induced them to come in and out with perfect confidence in her solitary walks through the garden and through the avenue of lime trees which led to the villa they followed her flying from tree to tree she spent a few hours of the morning every day in the pavilion And there the birds came also, mingling their joyous carols with the melancholy strains of the piano. But the mad gaiety of the birds was powerless to mitigate the profound sadness of Bertha. Her one thought was still Adrian, Adrian Baker. This name, which never escaped her lips, was to be seen written everywhere by Bertha's hand, on the garden walls, on the trunks of the trees, and even the vines that covered the pavilion had interlaced their branches in such a manner that Adrian Baker could be deciphered in them. This name was to be met everywhere, like the mute echo of an undying memory. During the morning hours Bertha's countenance seemed to be more animated, and her cheeks had even at times a rosy hue. But as the day declined, her transient animation faded away as if the sun of her life, too, approached its setting. seated at her window, she contemplated in silence the clouds illuminated by the last rays of the setting sun. Juana, who had exhausted in vain all her subjects of conversation, was with her. A sudden brightness hovered over Bertha's head for an instant, circled swiftly around it, and then vanished from sight. Did you see it? cried Bertha. Yes, answered the nurse, it was a white butterfly that wanted to settle on your head. Well, asked Bertha. White butterflies, said the nurse, are a sign of good luck. They always bring good news. Yes, answered Bertha, pressing her nurse's hand convulsively. That is my white butterfly, and this time it will not deceive me. Adrian is coming, yes, he is coming for me. That is what it has come to tell me i was waiting for it the nurse gazed at her for a moment with dilated eyes the setting sun illuminated Bertha's countenance with a strange light and the poor woman unable to support the look which burned in the eyes of the sick girl bent her head and clasped her hands saying to herself my god she has lost her mind the idea that berta had lost her reason threw the housekeeper into a state of distraction she would hide herself in the remotest corners of the house to cry by herself she could not bear alone the burden of so terrible a secret but to whom could she confide it how stab the father's heart so cruelly to tell him that berta had lost her reason would be to kill him the good man watched over his daughter with the eyes of love but love itself made him blind and he did not perceive her madness and the housekeeper became every day more and more convinced of the reality of this dreadful misfortune during the night she stole many times to the sleeping girl's bedside and listened to her calm breathing no extraordinary change either in her habits or her acts or her words gave evidence of the wandering of her mind true but she was waiting for adrian baker and she declared that he would come It was in vain she tried to persuade her that this was folly, for Bertha either grew angry and commanded her to be silent, or smiled with scornful pity at her arguments. Was not this madness? The housekeeper suddenly lost her appetite and her sleep, and she shunned Bertha's father for she was not sure of being able to keep the secret which she carried in her bosom. The same thought kept revolving in her mind like a mill it seemed as if bertha's madness was going to cost the nurse also her reason one night she lay tossing about unable to sleep her imagination filled with dreadful spectres in the midst of the darkness she saw faces approaching and receding from her that laughed and wept that vanished to appear again, and all these faces that danced before her eyes had, notwithstanding their grotesque features, a diabolical likeness to the head of Adrian Baker. The nurse, terrified, shut her eyes, that she might not see them, but notwithstanding, she still continued seeing them. She thought that she was under the influence of a nightmare, and making an effort, she sat up in the bed. Suddenly she heard a distant sound of sweet music, a mysterious melody whose notes died away on the breeze. She listened attentively, and she soon comprehended that the music she heard came from the piano, and she sprang out of bed crying, Berta, Berta! She began to dress herself quickly, groping for her things in the darkness, saying as she did so in a voice full of anguish, Alone in the pavilion and at this hour! child of my heart you are mad all the visions she had seen disappeared she saw nothing she only heard the distant notes of the piano breaking the silence of the night going into the hall she groped her way to berta's room she gently pushed in the door which opened noiselessly and an indistinct glimmer like the last gleam of twilight met her eyes It was the light of the night-lamp burning softly in its porcelain vase. Her first glance was at the bed, which, in the indistinct light, presented to her eyes only a shapeless object, but in a moment more she saw that the bed was empty. She thought of taking the lamp that burned in the corner of the room to light her way and going to the pavilion, but at this moment she felt a breath of cold, damp air blowing softly on her face. She turned her eyes in the direction from which the breeze had come, and observed that the window was wide open, and that outside all was profound darkness, and, filled with indescribable amazement, unwilling to believe the evidence of her eyes, she saw what appeared to be a human figure, standing motionless in front of the window, its hands clasped and its forehead resting against the window frame. A cold perspiration like that of death, broke out over her. She would have shuddered, but she could not. She attempted to cry out, but her voice died away in her throat. She attempted to fly, but her feet, fastened to the ground, refused to carry her. With her eyes starting from their sockets, her mouth wide open, and terror depicted on her countenance, she stood as if petrified, without the strength to keep erect or the will to fall and in truth she had some reason to be terrified before her stood berta leaning motionless against the window drinking in with rapt attention the notes which at the moment came in a torrent from the piano it was not berta then who was breaking the silence of the night with that mysterious music what unknown hand what invisible hand was it that drew those sounds from the chords of the piano in the midst of the silence and the solitude of the night was what her eyes saw real was what her ears were listening to real or was it all the dreadful hallucination of a terrible dream and this was not all for the memory of the terrified nurse recalls with a secret shudder those mysterious melodies which now enchain her ear yes through the piano roll sounds like the rumbling of thunder and strains are heard now near now far that thrill the heart and tones that fill the soul with terror through the vibrating chords all the spirits of the other world seem to be speaking in an unknown tongue I do not know how long the housekeeper might have stood silent and motionless under the influence of the terror which mastered her, if Berta had not observed her. It caused her neither surprise nor alarm to see her nurse there. Approaching her, she took her by the hand, and, shaking her gently, said, Do you see? Do you hear? It is Adrian. Adrian who has come for me. The white butterfly did not deceive me. The housekeeper had by this time recovered herself sufficiently to pass her hand over her forehead and to rub her eyes. I knew that he would come, continued Berta. I have been waiting for him every day. The nurse, as if by a supreme effort, drew a deep breath. Do you hear those sighs that come from the piano? said Berta. It is he. He is calling me and since you are here let us go to meet him and taking the lamp in her hand as she spoke she added follow me nurse Juana followed her like a ghost they entered the garden and walked toward the pavilion the pale light of the lamp illuminated berta's countenance shedding around it a fantastic light that made the surrounding darkness seem more intense the nurse felt herself drawn along by berta she walked mechanically a power stronger than her terror impelled her in this way they crossed the garden and reached the door of the pavilion there bertha stopped and called softly adrian but there was no response to her call then they entered the pavilion juana caught hold of bertha to keep from falling and closed her eyes The light of the lamp illuminated the pavilion, whose solitude seemed startled by this unexpected visit. The piano was open and mute. ''No one,'' exclaimed Berta, sighing. ''No one,'' repeated Juana, opening her eyes. ''And so it was. The pavilion was empty.'' it is beyond a doubt that berta's piano has the marvellous quality of making its strings sound without the intervention of the human hand and this being the case it must be admitted that this marvellous instrument is in addition a consummate musician for it plays with a skill attained only by great artists but since nurse juana cannot conceive how a piano can play of itself without a hand moving the keys she has decided that in this diabolical affair an invisible hand the ghostly hand of some spirit from the other world has intervened this supposition is not altogether admissible for it seems to have been sufficiently proved that spirits do not possess hands but the nurse does not stop for such fine distinctions and she firmly believes that the spirit of adrian baker is wandering about the villa condemned perhaps to eternal torment he takes pleasure in torturing the living even after his death and it is indeed a diabolical amusement for the serenade is repeated nightly the family are aroused from sleep they hasten to the pavilion and the piano becomes silent they enter it and they find no one they have observed that the airs played by berta in the morning are repeated by the piano at night juana is assailed by continual terrors there is no peace in the house berta's father is unable to explain the mystery and his mind is filled with confusion and his heart is a prey to sudden alarms the light of day dissipates the agitation of their minds They fancy themselves the victims of vain hallucinations, and, arming themselves with heroic valour, they make plans for unravelling the awesome mystery. The most courageous among them would hide in the pavilion, and there await in concealment the hour of the strange occurrence. In this way, they would discover what fingers drew those sounds from the piano. Strong in this purpose, they awaited the first shades of night but then the courage of the strongest failed the air became filled with fearful shadows the silence with mysterious noises and no one ventured to leave the house they spent the nights in vigil and the terror by which all were possessed made them seem interminable and for bertha on the other hand the days were interminable and she awaited the nights with eager impatience One afternoon she expressed a desire to visit the ruins of the monastery, and she showed so much eagerness in the matter that there was no resource but to accede to her wish. Her father and her nurse resolved to accompany her, and the three set out. The distance between the villa and the monastery was not great, but the party walked slowly. In the winding path, the ruins disappeared suddenly behind a hill as if the earth had swallowed them a few steps further on they suddenly reappeared and the travellers stood before the ruined portico from this point the eye could contemplate the ruined walls the broken partitions the ceilings fallen ill and between the loose stones the solitary flowers of the ruin only the arches which supported the vaulted roof of the chapel had resisted the corroding influence of time the nurse would have now willingly returned to the villa and Bertha's father had no desire to go any further but Bertha passed through the ruined portico and they were obliged to follow her she made her way into the chapel passing under the crumbling arches which threatened at every moment to fall down and crush her and she emerged at what must have been the centre of the monastery for the remains of the wall and some broken and unsteady pilasters showed four paths which uniting of their extremities formed a square this must have been the cloister in the middle were vestiges of a choked-up cistern here bertha sat down on a piece of cornice which was embedded in the rubbish she seemed pleased in the midst of this desolation her father and the nurse joined her with terror depicted on their countenances they had heard the noise of footsteps in the chapel more Juana had seen a shadow glide away, how or where she did not know, but she was sure that she had seen it. Bertha smiled and said, The noise of footsteps and a shadow? Very well. What harm can those footsteps or that shadow do us? They are perhaps the footsteps of Adrian Baker following us. It is his shade that accompanies us. What is there strange in that? do you not know that i carry him in my heart do you not know that i am waiting for him that i am always waiting for him At the name of adrian baker berta's father and the nurse shuddered yes my child said the former but we are far from the villa the sun is setting it is growing late yes yes said juana let us go back berta drew her father affectionately toward her and said dear father i am not mad juana i am not mad adrian promised me that he would return and he will return i am waiting for him why should that be madness i know that i grieve you and i do not wish to grieve you i have begged god a thousand times on my knees to tear his image from my heart and his memory from my mind But God, who sees all things, from whom nothing is hidden, to whom all things are possible, has not wished to do it. Why? He alone knows. The father's eyes filled with tears, and the nurse hid her face in her hands to keep back the sobs that rose in her throat. Berta continued. Yes, it is growing late, but I am very tired. Let us wait a moment. They had nothing to say in answer to her words nor could they have said anything for their voices failed them all three remained silent suddenly they looked at one another with indescribable anxiety for all three had heard a sigh a human sigh that seemed exhaled by the ruins around them could it have been the wind moaning as it swept through the sharp points of the broken walls berta rose to her feet and cried twice in a loud voice adrian adrian her voice was borne away on the breeze losing itself in the distance but before the last notes died away another voice resounded among the ruins saying berta berta the sun had just set and the twilight shadows gathered swiftly, as if they had sprung up from among the ruins, hiding the broken pillars and the crumbling walls. In one of the angles of the cloister appeared a moving shadow. This shadow advanced slowly until it reached the middle of the court where the remains of the disused cistern were seen. There it stopped, and in a soft, clear voice uttered the words, It is I, Berta, it is I he she cried extending her arms in the air juana uttered a cry of terror and caught hold of bertha with all the strength left her the father tried to rise but unable to sustain himself fell on his knees beside his daughter it was not possible to reject the evidence of their senses whatever might be the hidden cause of the marvel the dark key of the mystery the shadow which had just appeared in the angle of the cloister was clearly the authentic image the vera effigies the very person of adrian baker the astonished eyes of bertha of her father and of the nurse could not refuse to believe it his fair curls his pale brow the outlines of his figure his air his glance his voice all were there before the amazed eyes of bertha her father and the nurse now was this a fantastic creation of their troubled senses was it a phantom of the brain or a reality did all three suffer at the same time the same hallucination the fixed thought of all three was adrian baker and the senses often counterfeit the reality of our vain imaginings the state of their minds the place the hour and then the air produces sounds that deceive the light and the darkness mingling together in the mysterious hour of twilight peopled the solitude with strange visions and in the midst of those ruins which began to assume fantastic forms and which seemed to move in the gathering shades of twilight berta her father and the nurse might well believe themselves in the presence of a spectre evoked there by their presence but the fact was that the shadow, instead of vanishing, instead of changing its shape, as happens with chimeras of the brain, assumed before their eyes a more distinct form, more defined outlines, according as he approached the group. Reaching them, he took gently in his, the hands of Bertha held out to him, his eyes shone with the light of a supreme triumph. It is I, he said in a moved voice, I, Adrian Baker. I am not a specter risen from the tomb. Berta felt herself growing faint and was obliged to sit down, and Adrian Baker continued thus. Forgive me. I have put your heart to a terrible proof, but the doubts of my soul were still more terrible. The world had filled my spirit with horrible distrust, and I desired to sound the uttermost depths of your love. It has resisted absence and it has resisted death your love for me was not a passing fancy you did not deceive yourself when you vowed to me an eternal love i left you in order to watch you and i died to comprehend you i have followed you everywhere i have not separated from you a single moment my sweet berta you waited for me living, and you have waited for me dead if you wait for me i said your own heart will announce my return to you and you see, I have returned. I felt for you an immense tenderness, but a terrible doubt consumed my heart. Had my riches dazzled you? Forgive me, Berta. A fatal learning had frozen faith in my soul. I doubted everything, and I doubted your heart also. I doubted you. Berta clasped her hands, and raising her eyes to heaven, exclaimed mournfully, My God! what cruel injustice yes burst out adrian baker cruel injustice but you have resuscitated my heart you have brought my soul back to life ah said bertha laying her hands on his breast what if it were too late then turning to her father and the nurse she said i feel very cold let us return to the villa and leaning on Adrian Baker's arm, she led the way. Her father and the nurse followed her in silence. The good man had comprehended everything, but the poor woman comprehended nothing. What passed that night in the villa it is not necessary to relate. It was a night of pain, of agitation, and of anguish. It was necessary to go to the city for a physician. Why? because Bertha was dying adrian baker was the image of despair the unhappy father wept as if his heart would break and the nurse stole away from time to time to cry unable to restrain her tears at dawn it was necessary to go again to the city for the physician of the body had exhausted the resources of science and they were obliged to have recourse to the physician of the soul dawn was just breaking when a priest alighted at the door of the villa the sick girl received him if we may be allowed the expression with melancholy gladness and a little later all was over in the middle of the room on a funeral bier lighted by six large wax tapers which cast a melancholy light around lay the body of the dead girl the window admitted the morning light, and the autumn wind, tearing the dead leaves from the trees in the garden, scattered them over the inanimate form of Berta, as if death thus rendered homage to death. Attracted by the light of the torches, a white butterfly flew silently in and circled around and around the head of the dead girl, watching the body, where the father, leaning over the bier bowed down under the weight of an immeasurable grief the nurse dissolved in tears adrian with dry and glittering eyes pale motionless mute terrible in his anguish and the priest with folded arms and head bent over his breast murmuring pious prayers such was the scene which the morning sun lighted in berta's room The birds of the garden alighted on the rail of the window, but did not venture to enter. They looked in apprehensively and flew away terrified. They twittered on the branches of the trees, and their melancholy chirpings seemed like sighs. Breathing a sigh torn from the inmost depths of his soul, Adrian Baker exclaimed in a hollow voice, Miserable man that I am. I have killed her. Ah, yes, said the priest, slowly shaking his head. Divine justice, doubt kills. End of chapter 3